Hello there. You are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for The Born Legacy. My name is Tom Chick, and this week I have with me Christian Milinski. It's uh, it's June Monroe. Say it. I just have to do this again, Dingus. I can't resist. I'll get to your name in due course. I want to get more mileage out of that. I had to sit through the watch and feel that will help salvage the experience. That's from the watch. Also, with a yeah, yeah, it's Richard Iode and a Korean woman. Uh, also with us this week, Kelly Wand with our Born Legacy tagline. Oh, you mean a Born Legetch phrase? <laughs> Ouch! Torturous, but yes. Convolutions zero. So you didn't like the catchphrase last week, so this week I put math in it to shut your ass up. I was gonna, well, I was gonna disagree with your math, but you know what? We'll get to that when we talk about the movie, won't we? Well, you're quite the math disagreer. <laughs> More where that came from, but first. <laughs> Euphemisms. Dingus, what did we see this week? What happened? Break it down for us without spoilers. Does convolutions mean math? Hmm. No, it means circumferences. Another important right. Tom knows really well. So the, he's, no, Dingus, first of all, he said zero. Zero is the math part. Zero is a number. I don't know if you guys are aware I of that. I didn't understand Dingus' joke, or was it a joke? I didn't either. I didn't either. <laughs> all right, this week we saw The Born Legacy. A Hold on, real quick, talking about math. Kelly Wan, did you see the trailer for uh, Zero Dark Thirty? What? The teaser, the trailer for Zero Dark Thirty. It's a, a very mathy title, the new Catherine Bigelow movie. Bigelow. Thank you, Kelly. People laugh at me when I say that. Thank you, Kelly. Good God, he said that so many times. I couldn't understand who he was talking. I thought it was Catherine Bigelow or Bigelow. Bigelow, Bigelow. How sexist we all know. How else would you? It's not. At any rate, okay. Enough math. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, what happened? (laughs) So, by the way, so there was there was a teaser for the new Catherine Bigelow movie about Delta Six finding uh, Bin Laden. Oh, really? Uh And the name of the movie has a lot of math in it because I think it's called Zero Dark Thirty. Nine Eleven was math, and everything related to Osama bin Laden has to be math based. I'm not going to touch that one. (laughs) Dingus, get us out of here quick! Uh, Extract, extract. You can make a whole movie about it, but I can't make one. Whatever. (laughs) Fuck you, internet. (laughs) Dingus, help us out here. Internet. This week we saw the Born Legacy. A uh, 2012 American action adventure thriller drama fourth installment sequel movie <laughs> about a black ops agent whose training gets interrupted. <laughs> Wait, that's better than anything I wrote. Biggest <laughs> fans. Fuck. It was directed by Tony Gilroy, written by him and his brother Dan Gilroy, He's trying to do an and album. edited by his other brother John Gilroy. He did do a Nolan. Except he has more brothers. He's out Nolaning Nolan. <laughs> and it's sort of based on the Bourne series of books by yeah. Robert. And it Requiem stars. And what, what did you say? Who? Requiem for a Dream, because the diet pills are the same colors. Oh, well done. That's new uh, also based on Requiem for a Dream, apparently. Uh, it stars Jeremy Renner, Rachel Ice, Jelko Ivanek, Elizabeth Marvel, <laughs> Oscar Isaac, and Edward Norton. The Born Legacy is rated PG-13 for violence and action sequences. <laughs> Kelly Wan, did you need more of a reason for it to be PG-13, or were those okay for you? Uh, it's what I was thinking during the action sequences, was the number PG-13. 
How about like wolf violence? Do you feel that should have been in there mm-hmm. to sort of specify better value more? than the gray? But what isn't? Oh, oh Kelly Wand. Uh, I mean, by the way, I hate, I, I hate Kelly Wand. I just want to. I noticed a lot of wolf fights since, uh, and I'm not just talking about Underworld. <laughs> since well, the gray, <laughs> everyone went, "Hey, look, the gray didn't have a wolf fight. Let's." Overcome. You got to take up the slack for what what Joe Carnahan couldn't handle. So we're Although here I've to also help. Noticed right. an uptick in rooftop chases, which always sucks. Yes. And Jesus Christ. Well, now wait a minute. What do you mean an uptick? Because rooftop. Well, mm-hmm. we'll get to that when we talk about the Last movie. Okay, so Dingus, I'm sorry. An uptick in roof sequences and Jesus Christ. Silence. Did you get that one, Kelly? One. Mm, it wasn't worth getting. <laughs> yeah, I agree okay. with that. Uh, all right, so Dingus, thank you for that. Uh, let's Stick see. To the math. Born, Everyone's waiting for. Yeah, so Born Legacy opened at number one uh, this weekend. It made forty million dollars. Uh, which the, the main accomplishment for it here is that it beat the Will Ferrell's that Galifianakis comedy that opened. Uh, it also beat Dark Knight. Dark Knight in its fourth weekend fell to third place. So it had a pretty good opening as far as making the number one slot. However, it fell sh- short of the second and third born movies. Uh, which is is kind of to be expected because it is technically, and I noticed this word did not make it into your description, Dingus, but it is kind of a reboot because it has a new lead actor. Uh, narratively speaking, it's not a reboot, but I think the studios would think of it as a reboot. So even though it didn't uh, meet the opening weekend takes of Supremacy and Ultimatum, I imagine they were pretty happy with a $40 million opening considering they don't have Matt Damon. However, critically, I don't, I don't think it's faring very well. Metacritic, uh, which gauges the average rating from reviews that give ratings, on Metacritic, it's at 61 on Rotten Tomatoes, which just gives the percentage of reviews that are positive, of all the reviews that they track, 53% are positive. Uh, and They're I think to those are every week. They're getting closer and closer, just like Romney and well, Obama. The, and those those are a pretty steep drop from how critics responded to the, the first three movies. Uh, so uh, there we go. That's enough math. Kelly Wan, do you have any math questions? For maybe about zero dark. Um, you said that 62 is bad, and I know it is if you get a 62 on a test in school, but most movies mm-hmm. get 22s lately, so it seems like 62s. Most movies get 22s. On Metacritic, I, I think I'm going to call into doubt your uh, assessment there. Most movies get 22s? Yeah. Or one did once. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> hey, my star meter went down 85% last week. What's that mean? Explain that. It means that you have a star meter. Well, well played. Good. I forgot to check yours. I why did it go one. down after we saw whatever we saw last week, which seems like a lifetime ago? <laughs> what was it? Okay, when I don't, I only track Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, not my and star Box meter? Office. I do not track. The star meter is not part of my responsibility every week. I'm, I'm afraid I cannot I comment on that. I thought you were further. like the Atlas Shrug of math. <laughs> Sorry, uh, not hip to the Ayn Rand references. I can't help you there either. So, that said, we are now going to spoil Born Legacy. If you have not seen it, everything we say from here on out could be construed a spoiler. Kelly Wan, why don't you start us off by spoiling the entire plot of the movie? What would you call it if you did that? The Born Synopsis. <laughs> I think that's better than three of the last four titles. I like that. No, because it's like a Ludlum title. I know. I like. Do you that. ever read him? No, no. Good lord, no. Why would I read I bet that? Bruce did. 
I bet Dingus did. Dingus, what Ludlum novels have you read? Oh. You read Taylor of Panama. You read The Power of the Glory. That's not Ludlum. (laughs) And you read Bleak House. All right. I see what's going on. Call of the Wild. No one wants to hear this. Uh, Pillars of the Earth. I read that one. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) And uh, A Song of Fire and Ice. I read that. That's my favorite Ludlum. (laughs) See what you get, Kelly Wan? Wait, what are you punishing me for? Not doing the Opsis soon enough? Or just... No. All right. I, we're, I'm not well read enough to talk about books. What do you What do you expect from Why me? Why do you got to put I don't it down, Mr. Columbo? I don't even read the. Uh, what is that? You gave me. I still have a copy. I think of Lonesome Dove yeah. you gave me that I haven't. read. That was like ten years you're the, ago. You're the one who doesn't like Blood Meridian, right? That is me. Yes, I'm not a fan of Blood right. Meridian. Yeah. Want to hear the opsis yet? I do. Well, so it's a. It's called the Born Opsis. No, just Born Synopsis. Synopsis. I like, oh, I like it when you say it that way. Can I hear that Born one more time? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a rebel. Who does happen? I do what you say, but not in the tone you ask. Passive-aggressive <laughs> slavery. Anyway. I like to think of you as a maverick. All right, so Maverick, give us your born synopsis rock and roll. Sidebar to the chick who, after our screening of This Means War, said, Man, why can't I blow Tom Hardy? I wish to say, No! <laughs> <laughs> You'll see why I had to do that. Ed By the way, can you open with a sidebar? Is that I had to. That... Did people get okay. that that's from when Bane said that on the plane in Dark Knight Rises? Or do no. they just think I'm doing a funny voice? No! Alright. No. Is it only funny to me? Uh, you know what? Dingus and I have been doing that in front of our friend who liked Dark yeah. Knight for <laughs> up the past three days. Say uh, that we, to everything we know. No! And he loved, yeah, he really liked Dark Knight, so it, it's, we've been kind of relentless with it. Uh, yeah. yeah. She liked Prometheus yeah. and Dark Knight and Spider. Yeah. Like smart people, too. So maybe I'm the idiot. Go figure. Right. <laughs> see where, back to the Bourne synopsis, already in progress. Or not really, but here we go. Ed Norton's the head of a fictitious branch of the impossible mission force known as the CIA. Or Stacy Keach's, or Scott Glenn is. Anyway, they're all in a dark office, I guess in Washington? Someplace where it's always night, but they never sleep or go home. And one of them goes, Matt Damon was spotted in Manhattan saying he can't find his car keys. And that Senate hearing from three movies ago with Joan Allen still coming up soon. But never mind all that. Check this shit out. It's way more interesting. They watch a YouTube video of two rich old dudes at a banquet shaking hands with a guy. Oh, they're watching this with a guy with frizzy hair who looks kind of like Bobby Carnival by way of Harry Garcino, that boss of Dirty Harry's. He was the least pissed off at him all the time. Now, hold on. I yeah, stacked awesome jokes of nothing. Well, because I felt like, I mean, I think you can make a whole game out of who is this guy a cross between, because I thought that guy was fascinating. I felt like he was a cross between uh, Robert Carlyle and Ian McShane. <laughs> Are you talking about the young guy who... Uh, this is your Veronica Cartwright gland in action again, because you're talking... No, the guy who, like, one of the leaders of No, the, no, yeah. I don't, he's not... How is yeah. he like... Uh, who was the second one? Ian McShane and Robert Carlyle. Like he's kind of like Ian McShane. He's the same. Uh, See, what's your what's your combo, Kelly Wand? Uh, Bobby Carnival from Win Win and the Station Agent right. by way of Harry Gardino. <laughs> that is. Oh, <laughs> this is the worst conversation ever. 
think. All right, so carry on. Sorry, uh, that that was a densely laid. He's the guy in Dirty Harry who always went, hey, "Are you crazy?" Like he was never mad at him. Like the other guy was like, "Damn it, Callahan, fuck, stop shooting criminals." <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he did look like an actor from the '70s. So that guy had a fascinating. Yeah, he didn't get to so. do anything, and no one else did either. It's, well, save, save that, that for, for the real part of the podcast. All right, so the frizzy guys all. All right, so they watched the YouTube video of the guy shaking hands, and the frizzy guy's all, not bad, but I kind of prefer the water skiing squirrel. (laughs) Wait, this is about picking our new mascot, right? And Ed Norton's all, no! (laughs) See? There's a method. This is a catastrophe, including us. This video now has one view. But our only option right now is to assassinate all our genetically enhanced assassins with yellow triangular pills and snipe a reporter in a crowded London street and cause a 30-minute motorcycle chase in the Philippines before the snowballs into an international incident. You ever been snowballed in the Philippines before? It's not pretty. (laughs) No, brother. Now, how many people know about YouTube? We have to kill them, too. And frizz heads all. Um, if we gave them pills to make them super smart and they can tell if someone's lying by staring at their face for a couple seconds, will they really fall for that? Plus, they're all over the world and coroners will do autopsies on their bodies with their drugs in them. Plus, we'd have to do all the killings at the same time, which seemed kind of dumb in Revenge of the Sith. Plus, all the people doing the killing would probably kill too and their families and ourselves and our families. I'm starting to like this plan, actually. Oh, yeah, what about the scientists who made the pills? Ed Norton holds up a pair of Rachel Weiss's panties, way ahead of you. Meanwhile, in Alaska, Jeremy Renner, a.k.a. number five, like the robot in Short Circuit, is being trained to be a spy <laughs> by jumping across cliffs and annoying the fuck out of wolves. <laughs> <laughs> to do this effectively, he has to take blue and green pills every couple hours that he keeps an insanely small supply of in a humongous metal coke spinning around his neck. Wearing metal neck ornaments that contain drugs is super efficient if you're going to be traveling internationally a lot and facing down customs officials. Sidebar. Cool line for Gary Oldman if his character from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy was Jeremy Renner's boss. Yeah, yeah, Evil Knievel, did you get those fucking files I asked for? (laughs) I can't wait to read one of these loud to a brain surgeon. Jeremy Renner reaches a cabin where another uptight junkie spy... Lives played by Tony Shalhoub. That guy's off. <laughs> you jump that cliff, nobody jumps that cliff. And Jeremy Renner's all, uh, well, Gilroy kind of cut away from the jump. It was pretty weak. But based on how I landed, <laughs> it looked super easy. Actually, I was so ahead of schedule, I went back and remade the jump 60 more times, but Gilroy cut away from all those two. Some wolves howl. Jeremy Renner's all, oh yeah, a pack of wolves made the jump too, cut by Gilroy. <laughs> They're tracking me for some reason. It's weird. Tony Shalhoub's all, maybe they don't think you're human. And Jeremy Renner's all, neither's your cabin. Maybe they're tracking that. Speaking of cracks. <laughs> can you hook a brother up? I haven't had a blue in 36 hours, and my green's down to stems and resin. He swabs his teeth with his index finger a couple times, then sucks the skin off with his teeth and smokes it, then injects the smoke between his toes. Tony Shalhoub's all, you haven't had a blue in 36 hours. That's another record you broke. Hate to sound like a broken record. Jeremy Renner's all, I look like a squashed Matt Damon kind of, huh? Tony Shalhoub's all, you ask too many questions. I'll make us some pine cone soup. Jeremy Renner goes, you will? 
Tony Shalhoub scowls. Meanwhile, at the CIA's pharmaceutical branch in Chicago, Rachel Weiss is working in a lab making drugs for spies that have nothing to do with Jason Bourne. She works with Max Hedrum, who goes arbitrarily and abruptly nuts, as ordered by Ed Norton, the second two dudes close a door near him, and kills all his colleagues. He has to reload twice and drops the gun once, which is lots of time to disarm him. Pity his victims aren't on their own product, but luckily Rachel Weiss tricks him by cowering under desks until Max Hedrum gets bored and shoots himself. Not that Gilroy shows us. Meanwhile, in Alaska, Alaska, <laughs> Jeremy Renner and Tony Shalhoub share a tender moment over some burnt porcupine needle casserole. Jeremy Renner's all, hey man, I can tell from the way you walk around this cramped cabin and chew food that you're a real badass. Why'd they demote you down to Alaskan cabin tragic character actor? Was it because of something interesting? No? Pertinent? No? You fell in love? I guess we're not allowed to love, huh? Tony Shalhoub takes their plates away and sobs into his apron at breakfast is at six. <laughs> it's like Alfred. Jeremy Renner goes to his bunk bed and stares at a bunch of names scratched into the wood, including Matt Damon's, and block letters made by a wood-burning kit. Deep down, spies are all 12-year-olds at camp. In the morning, Tony Shalhoub's all, Hey man, I was thinking about our awkward conversation last night, and I've decided I like you after all. Take all the drugs you want, or I'm supposed to kill you. Jeremy Renner looks at the sky and goes, You order a missile? And Tony Shalhoub's all, Missile, I guess I better go back in the cabin. It's such a big targ. Splore, the cabin explodes, and so does Tony Shalhoub, which Gilroy doesn't show. Jeremy Renner runs, but he's making too good time again, so he switches to jumping from treetop to treetop. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., an extra wearing a headset turns to Ed Norton and goes, Sir, Jeremy Renner's taped a film can to his pancreas and shot down our drone using a water pistol. We can't do anything unless we send in another drone with another missile, and then once he shoots that one down, maybe he'll get bored. Legacy. And Ed Norton's all, No! (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile... Jeremy Renner's back in the cabin that just got blown up. He cuts out his pancreas sensor and puts it in his mouth for safekeeping, then accidentally swallows it and has to cut it out again. Instead of just leaving it on the ground, he traps one of the wolves in a net he makes out of snow and acorns, force-feeds it the GPS, and persuades it by speaking to it in English to run the opposite direction from him and get blown up by the missile, which Tony Gilroy cuts away from. The extra turns from his modern goes to Ed Norton. Sir, you kind of had plenty of time to cut that thing out. We're picking up signs of wolf DNA on our camera lens. Should we do stuff verification-wise? Ed Norton's all, no! <laughs> Meanwhile, although the CIA's had no trouble shooting reporters in crowded public places, they let Rachel Weiss talk to investigators and go to an abandoned house in the woods where I guess she lives on her CIA scientist salary. They send two guys with guns and a couple of psychologists over to kill her. Dumbly, they put the gunman on the porch while the psychologists handle the precision work of struggling with her for a pistol. But she tricks them by Jeremy Renner showing up and killing them. He puts her in a car, and they drive, and he goes, I need more of those drugs so I can keep saving you, although this movie might be more fun if you took some as well. She's all, oh, we make them in the Philippines because shooting car chases there is cheaper. He's all, let's go. She's all, no. He's all, fine, get out. He opens her car door. She goes, JK. So he shuts the door again, and they drive again. And then she goes, actually, we make them somewhere else. I kind of lied. He stops the car again and reopens the door. Get out. 
Jeez all. But if we go to the Philippines, I can inject you with something so you won't have to take the pills anymore. You'll just be naturally badass forever, which for some reason we didn't just do before. He shuts the door and they drive again. She's all, I have to pee. He stops the car again and opens the door. She's all, I didn't mean now. I meant once we get off the plane in Manila. It's a long flight. I'll probably have to pee by then at that juncture. I have bladder issues. That's why I became a scientist. He shuts the door and they drive again. He looks over at her, but she doesn't say anything. She sniffles, then starts to sneeze, but doesn't. They drive off a cliff. Meanwhile, Ed Norton's finally figured out the main characters are alive. So he has all his people on the phone asking for all the security cameras in America to mail them all their footage so they can look for the car Jeremy Renner stole, which I guess doesn't have a tracking device in it, because cars are harder to install those in than pancreases. We see agents saying into blue teeth, yeah, it's a 1938 Saskatchewan license plate number UHHH, and then three periods in a row. The lip, what? <laughs> yes, I'll hold. Meanwhile, <laughs> a lot Blue of dial. Teeth. Blue teeth. Blue teeth. Yeah, see? Product placement. Tom, we're getting on the legal end of that, would you? Meanwhile, Jeremy Renner's in a hotel room making fake passports out of soldering irons in C4. Rachel Weiss is all, how come you want to stay badass for the rest of your life without having to take drugs every two hours? Character development's what people paid to see. Jeremy Renner's all, come here. He goes to a website that's called Photos of U.S. Soldiers Killed in Afghanistan Whose Deaths Were Faked by the CIA.com. <laughs> he shows her his photo. She's all, wait, your name's Kevin Jism? I thought it was Alex Cross, and number five, and Jason Bourne, since, quote, you thought there was only one. And how's this picture answer my question? And he's all, the recruiter needed to make some quota. So he faked my IQ by 40 points, which for some reason the CIA doesn't know. So unless I take your drugs, I'm a huge dumbass. Although I broke the cliff record, maybe dumbness is my superpower. And she's all, I'm suddenly in love with you, but I'm also a scientist. No, really. And he's all, you can never call anyone you're related to ever again, or the CIA will kill them. And she's all, why? And he's all, I love you too. They go to Manila Envelope, lay waste to a laboratory, cause hundreds of deaths, and get the Philippine police on their tails. Because the drugs she made in a Filipino basement is really powerful, Jeremy Renner spends a few minutes sick and bedridden. Meanwhile, the headset extra turns dead Norton and goes, Sir, the end of the movie's coming up, so we just remembered we have a program in Bangkok where we make assassins like Jeremy Renner, except that these ones are evil and Asian. Should we have them all descend on Manila? If we keep killing civilians and causing chaos at the rate we're going, we won't need to cover it up. The whole world population will be dead. And Stacy Keach is all, wait, we did all this shit to expunge all traces of our top secret program, and there's another one up till this scene, nobody. <laughs> and Ed Norton's all, no! <laughs> That's the last one. <laughs> Just send one guy. Unlimited manpower's been getting us nowhere. Jeremy Renner wakes up and finds a note from Rachel Weiss that says, went to get meds, although you don't need them, and there's an arrow pointing towards the door of the hotel room, although I think he could have figured that part out. Some assassins and cops show up, but Rachel Weiss tricks them by screaming, Alex, run! and running. So they chase her, and Jeremy Renner has to save her a bunch of times and kill a bunch of people. Because a 98-car pileup and break almost every bone in the Asian-born's body by flipping him into some oranges... But that just makes him angrier, so he chases them some more. But Rachel Weiss kicks him in the motorcycle, and that makes him lose interest. Our heroes crash. A Filipino kid shoved into the frame and stares at the two white... 
car just killed an Asian guy right in front of him. While police sirens grow louder, Rachel Weiss is all, help us, kid, end of movie. The kid turns out to have a garbage barge called the Deus Ex Maca. Just Filipino for something. Ten minutes later, they're at sea, and Jeremy Renner's staring at a map he made out of scotch tape, and Rachel Weiss is blissfully happy now that her life shattered. Everybody she knows is dead, and she's stuck in the Philippines forever with a total stranger. She's all, are we lost? He's all, just exploring our options. She's all, I'll give you some options to explore. I'm a scientist. While the Filipino kid and his dad watch dutifully, he smiles and fucks her, which Gilroy cuts away from. The end. All right, so uh, we're all pretty much, I think, fans of the first two Bourne movies uh, in the series in general. So, Dingus, start us off. Uh, how well does Bourne Legacy work for you, either as a standalone movie and uh, as a continuation of the previous three movies? Uh, I think it works very well as both. Okay, that's all? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not a big fan of Ultimatum. Uh, I mm-hmm. hate what happens at the end of it. I hate all the flashback bullshit. Um, I really dislike uh, the the way it fucks around with torture as a way of using it as a plot point and doesn't really go anywhere with it, and I hate the ending of it. Uh, so, uh, But I loved uh, Supremacy, and I love the fact... I, just, I love the way this movie is paced, and I really like that they're sitting around watching a lot of the other movies. <laughs> In part of it, I, I really like that. Um, I, I don't know. For me, th- this movie works for me as a standalone movie as well, just because I I really like this feeling of uh, I'm a big fan, as I know you are, Tom, of uh, of Michael Clayton. And for me, this feels like the action version of Michael Clayton. Also from Tony Gilroy. Oh, right, right. Yeah, well put. Yeah. Uh, and one one advantage it does have on Michael Clayton is it has, I think, a strong lead. You know, Michael Clayton. Clooney is fine in it, but I, I think uh, Jeremy Renner drives this movie much better than George Clooney seems to drive Michael Clayton. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, uh, Kelly Wand, how did uh, how how did this movie work for you? Uh, I didn't like it. I'm surprised that you did. If you did, no, I haven't taken my turn. No, yet. I don't think anybody liked it but me, and I really did like it a lot. Unfortunately. I don't like Gilroy's action sense. I think he's choppy and close-up-y and shaky cammy. And I don't like my spy. No one likes drugs more than me, but I don't know if I want my spies on them. It makes me like pussies. Matt Damon didn't take a pill, and James Bond didn't, and Gary Oldman didn't. He'd just be a badass. Taking the pill's weak. So I I kind of did like that... I, I like the idea of this uh, of this program being about genetically GMO spies. Like I, I like that, and how they played a little bit with this chemical ad- addiction sensibility. Like I was kind of enjoying that as a twist. And like Dingus, I liked a lot of the pacing. I really like how they preserve the fundamental of what made the first two Born movies good, and that was the interaction between Marie and Jason, between Franca Potenta and uh, and Matt Damon. And you get some of that with Jeremy Renner and Rachel Weisz. However, ultimately, I think I'm more with you, Kelly, because I, I feel this completely fell apart. It dissolved into way too much like science, techno-babble, virgin on midichlorian bullshit, you know, this viraling him out. Uh, what the... Wh- where was that going? Yes, except and, to Dingus. 
Right. It did have, I mean, and well, they did, really didn't put, I mean, he, he sort of, it was like the scene in French Connection. Where, well, French Connection 2 is sort of infamous for its kicking scene, but this just had a quick glossed over. He's going to be sick in bed with the flu for an indeterminate amount of time. It'll be about 20 seconds of screen time and then it's gone. So I felt like they completely abandoned this idea of chemical dependency being part of the, the story. They just glossed past that. Uh, but I really hated that, you know, let's bring in the super secret uh, Asian agent. Uh, I hated the chase at yeah. the end. I, I didn't care much for the use of locations. I mean, so many of the, the what was cool about the first two Bourne movies was how they would jump to different locations, and each location had its own flavor. And, and there was so much great stuff done with the other characters in the Bourne movies that it felt a little bit more stingy with yeah. here. Uh, some of the characters I really liked. I liked Oscar Isaacs a lot. I mean, Dingus and I are huge fans of that actor. Kelly Wan, you probably don't even know who he is. Uh, but this guy? I, I, no, that's the guy who you kept calling Tony Shalhoub in the cabin. Uh, he was good. I didn't mean to do well, we, we know him, Kelly Wand, from, uh, unfortunately, we know him on this podcast from the villain in Robin Hood, the Ridley Scott uh, Robin Hood, from the villain in Sucker Punch. Uh, uh, but if you've seen a movie called PU 239 uh, with, with Patty Considine, he's so good in that. Uh, Dingus, what else do we like Os- Oscar Isaacs from? Uh, first of all, I have to take issue with the way you said the title Sucker Punch. Yeah. Sucker Punch! <laughs> there, did issue. I fix it? Yes, you did. That's much Retracted. better. Retracted. <laughs> given. Issue given. All right. Um, uh, well, anyway, well, so that's what I'm saying. 239 is the thing I love him most in, but he's also, he's also really wonderful in Drive. Um, I really. Oh, of course. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I love him as, um, what's her name's husband in Drive. And he's. What's her name? Michelle Williams. A good point, Michelle Williams. I, <laughs> I like you people. <laughs> um, but, it, what's, it, what's his name? Ordinary. What is his name in Drive? I forget his name. It's just some great. Standard. standard. Isn't Thank you, standard. standard. Yes. <laughs> he's standard in Drive. I love him in that. And I love how he's so, um, over the top sometimes, like in Sucker Punch, but in in this he has a total. He has another. He's really good at so. playing a different tone, and I don't think it's thankless at all, Kelly. I think he's great in this. Well, it's nice not to see him wasted like he was, you know, just have his talent squandered like in Sucker Punch and in Robin Hood. Uh, it was just so refreshing that. Yeah, so I yeah. and the previous Bourne movies had really good stuff with we're going to introduce a new agent to you like Clive Owen, Martin Sokus. Uh, you know, we're just going to have a scene where here's Bourne, here's another one of his counterparts, and how do they interact? And I loved how they preserved that part early on in Bourne Legacy with Oscar Isaacs. I also loved the scene. I loved most of the scene with the fake psychologists coming to visit wow. Rachel Weiss, and it, it reminded me a bit of uh, Tony Gilroy trying to do what he did with yeah. the assassins in Michael Clayton, and that scene is fantastic. For for and, and this is part of where I really lost, where Born Legacy really lost me. That's a great scene, but it does that stupid convenient timing thing where Jason Bourne sure, bursts window, in at the last yeah. moment. Through a window at just the right time in this dramatic, just bursting in, like it, it, it didn't, it didn't set it up very well. I, I just thought that it was a, a sort of a, a dramatic cheat. You know, he's going to wait till the very last second before they pull the trigger. You know, why did he get there at that moment? How did he know how to find her? Like all that stuff. So the previous Bourne movies are so meticulous about setting that up, and and here it just felt like a bunch of cheats. I a lot of times. The, the another thing it stops doing because I thought that too. It's like I broke up with the movie after certain. 
It was kind of enjoying it. <laughs> right. It stopped using time and its little crawls. Like, it just went Chicago. And it did what fucking Dark Knight did, where it's like, you have no sense of time passing. It's all over the map, literally. Like, yeah. he gets through the window, like, it's trying to orient us and disorient us at the same time. You know, yeah, it, it, it just wasn't as tightly put together, I, I think. Um so, Dingus, that some of that stuff didn't bother you? Like, uh, were you were you okay with some of the later things, like the motorcycle chase and the Lark's agent, and and some of those convenient rescues? And like, I presume you liked it enough where those things didn't bother you. Well, the 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 scene you're talking about in particular, that psycho that faux psychologist scene, I loved that because, and I don't know why this happened to me. I, I told you this the other day. Uh, I sat through this movie not realizing Tony Gilroy had directed it until the end. I don't know what I don't know what is wrong with me that I didn't know that. Um, it's clearly something I should have known, but I'm sitting there watching the scene where uh, where Elizabeth Marvel, who I really like in this scene so much, is doing the psychologist thing and the other guy goes off to search the house or whatever he's doing. And then it becomes that scene from Michael Clayton. And I'm like, wow, this is like that Michael Clayton scene, but <laughs> that uh, that I know so much better because you like it so much and you talked about it I think when we talked about Assassins in a 3x3 three three. Um, and I love that scene so much it is so tight and so well put together and this is like the action action movie version of that and I didn't have any right. problem with that because I love the way that overall the whole house scene uh, builds into an action scene when it starts out and I'm thinking this is just her getting profiled or whatever they're doing. I loved him. I loved him coming in and giving uh, Rachel Weiss his watch. I loved that whole thing where he gets, he gets yeah, the watch yeah. back and why he gives her the watch and how he times it. I really and it, when he walks in on her and does that. If you haven't reloaded, then you're out of bullets. I loved all. I loved how that house scene worked. Well, and also just to say too, Dingus, like how Jeremy Renner and Rachel Weisz interact, starting with his whole, you know, 80, we saw Terminator this weekend and that whole 80s thing, come with me if you want to live. Like that was the counterpart back in 80s action movies with Terminator. I loved his sort of questioning, do you want to live? Cause I want to live. Like he was this very like tentative, tender, almost like caring, like affectionate guy. Like there was this, just, just tenderness there, this real, real humanity. And I think that's what makes the Bourne movies so good. And that just shone through at that moment, you know, where he comes up to her with holding the guns up, like with his hands by his side. And, and he, you know, and he says, do you want to live? Cause I want to live. Like I loved that moment. That was so good. Yeah. And I love him as a character and I, and I absolutely love the motivation that happens later in the movie. And I know it's, there's a lot of gobbledygook, but I don't have any problem with any of the gobbledygook. This is weird for me. Um, that, that, this action scene I'm talking about in the house happens like an hour and ten minutes into the movie. And I love, wow, really? yeah, I love the way that the movie builds to that with the cutting back and forth between Ed Norton watching clips from Born Supremacy or whatever he's doing and then going back to Alaska. And then we finally get to this house scene. Um, I, I love all of that. I, I just think it works so well. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I, just, I just think that the pacing of this movie is perfect for me. So, Dingus, who is Elizabeth Marvel? What, do we know her from stuff other than uh, the faux psychologist? Well, the, the, there is a, I don't know. the only thing I know her from is, is the 40-year-old Maddie in uh, True Grit. Oh, awesome. You know what? I can totally see her face. Very good, Dingus. Very good. Uh, that's who your thing is. Yeah, and I really liked her. Who is that, who is that woman? 
Um, well, her face. I mean, she's just she's got. In, Kelly Wan, you're right to call to invoke uh, Mary Warnoff. So there is a little bit of that, but she's got a very striking face, and I can totally see in the end sequences from True Grit. I can see that face. Good call. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> So, okay, well, here, Dingus, is another thing where I, I started to, as Kelly Wan put it, break up with the movie. <laughs> so in in the, the previous Bourne movies, uh, we see how, like, we, we understand what he's doing. And, and uh, we, we understand how he is interacting with the environment and what he's doing. And one of my favorite examples is the, the fight with Martin Sokus and Bourne Supremacy, where Martin Sokus has a knife and... For a brief moment, you know, Martin Sokus' hands are tied together. When Martin Sokus is cutting himself free from some shattered glass, uh, it gives him a moment to regroup. So Matt Damon rolls up a magazine, and then he uses that in the fight as a jabbing weapon to, like, uh, you you know, to to give him more reach. You can sort of see, oh, Bourne is smart enough to know that. And and furthermore, he then puts a magazine in the toaster to blow up the house. You know, it's, it's a great little gimmick. And we see, oh, he's using the environment. He's doing these cool MacGyver things. And they kind of made sense to me. Here, it felt really goofy to see Jeremy Renner make a nail gun with a fire extinguisher. Like, I loved the magazine bit. And that, and making having a, a fire extinguisher shoot a nail. Did I, did I read that right, by the way? Is that what happened? Didn't he, in the basement of the house... Have a fire extinguisher shoot a nail. Oh, no? oh! Uh, all I could think about during that scene was the uh, diehard saw in uh, in the die in Nakatomi Plaza when uh, when jo- when John McClane distracts the bad guy by turning on a saw. Ah, right, right. And and that was was fine, but you know, making a fire hydrant shoot a nail is just a, like a little bit of silly MacGyver. Like like the magazine stuff in, in Born I didn't or Born Supremacy I really liked. Here he's doing the the fire extinguisher nail gun. He is showing his lamination skills. <laughs> uh, like I didn't uh, even so there's a scene in in Born Identity where Matt Damon is crawling around the outside of the embassy and he's clutching very precariously to these tiny ledges and it's like very human. Here there's a scene where when he climbs up the outside of the house it is so obviously wire work. You know it is such this goofy Spider-Man-y thing and I just felt like it didn't have the sort of the the grounded consistency of the previous Born movies. And and you know by the time he's grinding a motorcycle down a banister. It, it was totally like a little too over the top for me. Like I felt like it lost uh, some of the plausibility. That's not the easiest way down, is it? He's just, now he's just flaunting his. Yeah. He's just he's hot dogging. Right. <laughs> well, once we get to that part of the movie, I I kind of got bored with the motorcycle. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were breaking uh, it. You were going to break up, but then Dingus was going to break up the movie. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it it just felt like. It felt like we have to do this. We can't just have a talk fest. And, and, and what, what I was trying to say before is I love that motivation of I'm 20 IQ points lower than I should be. Uh, if I don't, it, I've been enhanced to this point where I can think now and I'm smart and I, and then that's not who I am. And that's weird. And I love that motivation. I love that idea yep. of I'm, yep. I'm borderline. I'm on the border of. If you think about it, and, and I'm not trying to be offensive here, but if you think about it, he's probably in that, that shady 80s kind of area of IQ where you're borderline mentally retarded. Well, I wonder, too, Dingus, if because uh, it does have this this implicit flowers for Algernon right, kind of angle. Right. Uh, and I, I wondered, was was he brain damaged from, from an injury in Iraq? There's the scene of him talking with the bandages on his head and making no sense. Yeah. Like, like is that the idea, that he had basically... 
been like had been brain damaged in an injury, and this program was the only thing keeping him from that. I, I don't know if it was clear. Oh, that's interesting. Didn't I didn't think that because I thought he was talking about his initial recruitment, and the initial recruiter had to yeah. fudge his numbers. He's already working for Norton. That. Right, right. That too, that happened where he had a, uh, and the thing is, because I noticed this, uh, he said his IQ was cheated 12 points, and that's not that big of a deal. But then later you see the footage of him talking, you know, someone asking him, and he's clearly been injured. Uh, you know, one of his eyes is bloodied, he's got the bandage on his head, and the guy is asking him questions, and he's giving nonsense answers like when somebody has an embolism. I, was drugged. I didn't get that at all. But, I mean, no, I, got, I definitely got that, that he was injured, and, and the guy's asking him, do you want to stay? I mean that's that's very clear. I just thought that the original twenty point fudge was because of. I thought he was a. Like was twenty was twelve or forty. It, it was a twelve point. Oh, I thought it was fudge twenty. Okay. IQ. It was twelve point, and that's not that big a deal. So I I think more of the flowers for Algernon angle was here's a guy, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but what I came away with was here's a guy who was brain damaged and had lost a lot of his brain function and. Because what what else explains that scene? He's making no sense. He's like right. he can't tell a city from a state. Like, like that's. Am I reading too much? Into no, it? no. I, I think I think either okay. way, you're. I think we're on the same track, and I, I like. I I think you're right about that. And I just it's love the motivation I, of him yeah. needing this, and and just imagine the fear of somebody telling you, you're we're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna regress in IQ, and you're not gonna know yep. these things tomorrow. And that's why, you know, losing 12 points is no big deal. You know, th- these are a lot of, this is an awful lot to go through to retain 12 points of IQ. If the stakes are instead going back to having, to being unable to answer the question what state you're from, that kind of makes more sense right. for, for uh, me. And, because yes, I agree. I love that character. Like, that's where, where I was talking about that whole chemical addiction angle is for some of the other agents, it might have just been they wanted to be badass, but for him, the stakes were clearly different. And I love that character motivation. So I'm with you there, Dingus. And that, you know what, ultimately that's what it, it came to is I really wanted to like the movie i loved a lot of the early parts of it but it just i it the you know like, like you said, 12 points dumber than the other movies <laughs> <laughs> very good well i think ultimatum <laughs> is the one that's sitting around not knowing what state or <laughs> uh and and that motorcycle chase i mean i i can i can hobnob with the snootiest of them when it comes to talking car chases and uh, one of, I would say, one of, if not the best car chase ever is the one at the end of Born Supremacy for a number of reasons, namely because a good car chase requires character, it requires context, and it requires choreography. Like, those three things all need to go into a good car chase. There was maybe one of those in that motorcycle chase. It wasn't choreography. Chase, about, wasn't choreography, and the context is just right. they have to get out of town. Again. That was just, like, lame. Yeah, again, and from a guy who, a deus ex machina third act villain, who's just randomly shown up, who, and I'm with you, Kelly Wan, that made no sense. So the whole arc of the movie is they're shutting down, they are killing, with extreme prejudice, this program. Oh, we've got a better one, program with no issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he tell that, the that black general that? Like, hey, what I, 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 well, it completely undercut the substance right. of the movie. I thought, I, I thought that was ridiculous, and it was just so ham-handed that they didn't realize that when they announced, you know, in the third act, oh, we've got this over here. We're going to bring it. It would have been awesome if it was another guy like Renner, but for some reason he was going to fight. I don't know, like. Or if they did anything with him. This guy just showed up and looked sort of stone-faced. And, and their whole thing was he had no emotion. That's the deal. Power. Yeah, he you gets know, killed by Rachel Weisz. no Weiss. compassion. Rachel Weisz does it in, and she's a scientist. 
She's not even. Well, she, well, not only that, but Jeremy Renner, and I could sympathize with the poor guy, falls asleep at the end of this car chase. He's not the only one. <laughs> he, was, he was totally nodding off. Yeah, and I was like, I, I feel yeah, you. Yeah, that man. happened to me, too. I had to go into another movie to watch the end. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have any problem with those extra government programs. I have no problem with that, because I think that everybody in this movie, and, and I know you guys were talking about how ridiculous all the um, we're going to viral him out talk was. But I think every actor in this movie can handle it. Every it's actor in this actors. movie. No, no, I have no, I'm not talking about fault. I'm talking about, you know, actors who can handle dialogue. And they can all handle this. And they all make it, yep. they all so, make it work. Rachel, Rachel Weiss, Jelko Ivanek, um, Jeremy Donna Rose, Murphy. Don, Donna Murphy. They, they can all handle it. Down to the, down to the, the, the guy who played Ernest Hemingway even. Uh, I mean, in, uh, from Midnight in Paris. I forget the name of the actor, but he's one of the dudes who, who was in the room with Edward Norton. Every one of them can handle it. It's like everybody in a David, oh, awesome. in a David Mamet movie being able to handle yeah. the dialogue. So I didn't care about any of that. For once, I didn't mind not, not understanding what was going on and feeling like I was left out in the cold. I love that. Well, Dingus, I, I love that about the early parts of the movie. It's when it started having to explain itself and and have this stuff about, oh, the stems are there. He's going to viral out. Like, if they had just left me out in the cold, it, it's kind of like a horror movie is great until it has to show you the monster and explain yeah. what the monster's yeah. doing. Here, it's great until it's having to explain everything and lay its cards on the table. And I almost wish they'd just let us speak gobbledygook. I, or just I, give like, us I, more I, I would have rather been That's left. what we came for was the... Or better, you know what? But see, they, that's how they ended. Like, I really hated that motorcycle. But that's not real chase. action. That's just like if the, if a sequel, reboot, whatever the fuck, it can't top its predecessors, then they shouldn't make it. And so, because it has to. Well, that's why we're coming back. We're going to see something we haven't seen before. As of the fourth, but, best whether they cousin. should or not is is immaterial. They're going to make money, so they're going to do it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And they have good. they have well, to have a chase, and that I don't have a problem yeah. with the with the way that goes, and with the I kind of like that yellow pill weird weirdness i mean i thought that was weird and and it, it was totally creepy to me that these these people are dependent on their pills and they've been told to do this and this is how we're going to zero them out so uh, no Dingus, i'm with you there but it's kind of like just at the it, they conveniently have this larks program in their back yeah. pocket they conveniently can viral them off of needing the drug right. i mean that just seemed like if that was the case, why didn't they do it before? Like, and like it's kind of like we're we're going to talk all this scientific stuff, but then we're going to subvert it all at some point for some contrived dramatic. It's super shit. dumbass, like sci-fi schlock kind, of, and it's totally out of tone with the first three movies, which were these. Well, no, I I disagree because I think that it's in response to those movies. I mean, I think that's why it's happening, and that's what's cool about it is because some of what's going on is concurrent. Is that, uh, that Edward Norton's character is having to deal with the shitstorm that happened because of what happened to Jason Bourne, and he's re- he's reacting to those things. I have a question that actually I don't know. What did, so they're not trying to tell us that Jason Bourne had to take these pills. No, right? no, no. I think the, they're talking about no. um, Treadstone, Blackburn. Black I say okay, so it's a different, Black it's a different program from from Bourne's. Yeah, program. and I think when you're when you're looking at the Alaska stuff, you're not supposed to think, oh, Jason went through these things too. I think, but he did because his name yeah. was on the. Oh, yeah, yeah, very good. Actually, you're right. Um, so so that means he did. Take I mean, that's another. Well, I don't think so because that's not that. There's none. There's no evidence of that. Uh, right. Throughout the other movies, that's that would be a serious sort of retro. Uh, what's the word? Retcon? Retro. What? What George Lucas does? Retconning. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I don't think they were trying to retcon it, which left me a little confused. Like scratch his name. Like it seems something Jason. Wanted. 
Yeah, he was young, bored. What else are you going to do in the cabin with Oscar, Oscar Isaacs not wanting to talk about his girlfriend? <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, I love, uh, because we had this sit through the original Total Recall um, of last week or the week before. I love that wolf scene uh, in, in light of that ridiculous rat scene in the original Total Recall. Uh, which, what, you mean where he captures the wolf? He's wrestling with the wolf. Uh, yeah, because, because the original rat scene in Total Recall. Oh, right! Yeah, <laughs> that's a good call, actually. About and it. I really <laughs> love the way that happens, that he wrestles with the wolf, and he gives, and he feeds yeah. it to him, and then, and, and, and he says, look, if you just would have left me alone, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and then, stole that from the Total Recall, though. You just, yeah, but you I like how... <laughs> No, I like how it improves on it because it's not just feeding. Like I'm gonna, I, I thought he was gonna have like a piece of bread and throw it over there, but he, he doesn't do that. Wrestles the wolf and shoves it down his throat like you have to give the dog medicine. I love that. It was so great. <laughs> well, I will say, I, I got to side with Dingus on some of this, Kaliwan, because there were some really great scenes here. I loved the whole unfolding of the drone scene oh, yeah. and how that played out and how it had its own like it had like three distinct beats. Like yeah, I, I like that scene a lot. Pre breakup. It was definitely pre-breakup. I loved how chilling that workplace shootout scene was. Like that was that was that made me weirdly uncomfortable. Uh, I I like that a lot. Um, And and overall, and here is where I think you guys don't give enough credit to Tony Gilroy, writer of Armageddon. Here is a guy. (laughs) Hold on. It comes across every time. Here is a guy who knows how to do a great scene of dudes in control rooms giving orders. There is so much of that done so well in Armageddon, and there's a lot of great stuff here that I could just, like Dingus said, even before I know what's going on, I love hearing that stuff. I love having the guys having a meeting over the YouTube video. I love when they're uh, when they're doing their surveillance stuff. Uh, I love how the actors looked tired and overworked. Um, I loved that stuff. How about that line about uh, so- weapon systems? What kind of weapon systems does he have? Yeah, a, a high-powered rifle, right? <laughs> that was adorable, yeah. And the thing is, it wasn't uh, like a bump right. joke, but it was hilarious. It was great, yeah. Right. So I love control room dialogue when it's done well, and you get a lot of great stuff. Uh, you get a lot of great I, control room dialogue the here. The part where they go, the guy's like, whoa, look, Jason Bourne's field work, and then Ed Norton gives, like, the trait, like, hey, this isn't about those movies. you got to pay attention to the new <laughs> shit, so shut the fuck up. What was this... What was the specific line? Do you remember? Because I would love to. Those are lines of like, oh, I got to remember that. We're going say those sideways like, on the moldy pork chop. Some fucking. <laughs> <laughs> they were just lines that I was like, I wish I could talk. So, that like, way. He's, he, he, I think one of the lines was, "You're in the wrong meeting." Yes, yeah, yes, good. exactly. Thank you, Dick. That one pinched a nerve for me because at work I'm always in. <laughs> Kelly Wan, you're on the wrong podcast. Number. <laughs> that, that image, this is one of my favorite, I, I just love little images like this. The, that moment where the drone is going down behind him as he breaks down. Right. Yes, because yeah. that and that dingus is normally the cool guys don't look at explosion shot. And here it makes perfect the sense. Timing was you know, yes, the timing was great. The composition was great. Uh, that was a great shot. He's and, good. And that, that's good actor. He is great, and so you guys, you you couple of jokers on this podcast, were so forgiving of Gina Carano and the kid from Red State in their drive away scene. You know, we're going to drive away and flee this this calamity with super agents and, and talk and get to know each other. That stuff just the, the the stuff with Rachel Weiss and Jeremy Renner, where he's like, I can't believe you didn't know my name. They, I was so in love with them in that scene. They were both so good with they each other, and there was just so much chemistry. No, how yep, dare you? I said it. I will shout it. 
No, and specifically Gina Carano and that Michael and that Red State kid, they can't hold a candle to, to the way that scene should go, which is what Jeremy Renner and Rachel Weiss were doing, and which is what Matt Damon and Franca Potente did a lot of in the first one movie. What? Did I say Michael Fassbender? No, it's We're Michael Anger- Angerano. Is the no, one. no, 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 no. I'm saying that there's yes. good parts of Haywire that you're... No, right. There are good parts, but I just remember you guys being so on board with Gina Carano and that kid, and I just thought, no, you know, we, it paled in Our argument was Renner. that you said she picked the wrong kind of car, and me and Dingus were like, that's the only car she had the choice of. And you're like, no, Jason Bourne would have picked the right car for the right chase. <laughs> that's snow. right. And me and you Dingus were like, a crappy Dude. taxi cab. Right. And that was how, that was why you hated the movie. Although the, la- the scene with her dad in the house was dumb, too. I find it interesting that you guys are still defending Haywire after having seen a better version of that movie. With Born Legacy. Is better. Uh, I, think, I think you are right. That moment where he's talking about how many times he, he was at, he was her patient is, a gra- is great. I think that whole thing in the underpass is wonderful. Uh, and the, the flashback when he's falling asleep, when she's putting him under. I mean, again, Renner just does so much. Like, he's such a, like, a human, normal, likable guy. And when he's been drugged and he's starting to fall asleep and, and he's kind of hitting on it, it's just so adorable. Yeah. Uh, and he looks, he looks beat up and a little bit older, which is weird because we're being, you know, people like Alex Pettifer and um, Taylor Kitsch are being thrown at us. Uh, and, and, don't, and we uh, get this guy who is so good at this. I'm just so happy that he's that he has success. I don't I care that he's want. in every movie. Uh, I'm just so happy that he has success. Yeah, Kelly Wan, and you're uh, you're 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 a Jeremy Renner detractor. Did this movie at least bring you like around? Him. When was I a detractor right. of Jeremy Renner? He's just in a lot of movies I don't like, but he's good. He's good in the Mission Impossible, but he's got a shitty part. He's got a shitty part in all his movies, except for Hurt Locker, which he's awesome in. When was I a detractor? And Avengers. Avengers. Don't forget no, Avengers. It's dumb. What, he gets to, in Avengers, he gets to kill, like, half the army, and then it's like, all right, well, you know, you were possessed by a Norse ice ball. And that's... That's a special um, law for that. That workplace shooting, <laughs> the guns I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that's intentional. Like, I, you know, this is an adult movie, and it's, a, it's an uncomfortable, icky scene, Stupid. and they don't... You know, it is PG-13, I will... Give Kelly one that you know you don't see mm-hmm. Ivan. What's the guy's name, Dingus? Because I love that act. I mean, sometimes I love that actor. Ivan. It's Jelko Ivanek. Jelko. Jelko Ivanek. I was even close. Like I, I, you know, I'm so familiar with that actor, and he does have this kind of creepy aspect to him. So when you see him nice at the first part of the scene, you're like, oh, he's a nice guy. He's a friendly coworker, and then he does flip, and uh, like it, it's a really uncomfortable, weird scene. And I, you know, I applaud the movie for having that in there and for being so weirdly uncomfortable. Uh, it's it's effective. I love that- the way it's paced. It's just plodding and methodical. Plodding is the wrong way to put it. You know, when he comes <laughs> That's in, he right. takes. That's right. You know, he, he, when he takes off the, the handles of the doors and he just walks yeah. through slowly, methodically picking off people. Um, you know, there, there's a moment, for, for me, I, I don't know if something is ruined irreparably by what happened with, in Aurora or what, but, you know, when we, we saw Terminator the other day and there's that, that gun shop scene and there's a moment where Arnold Schwarzenegger moves his mattress to pick up his guns and we talked about the watch the other week and the the cache of weapons it's it's these workplace and and public shootings that all of a sudden i, I don't know if this is going to fade i don't know if it want if i wanted to but i i can't help but not get 
pleasure from these anymore. And yet this is so well put together and so well paced. Uh, I don't I don't pleasure's the wrong word. I, I don't have to say. Well, Dingus, I, I I do think that in the uh what 30 years since Terminator, uh y- you know, we have because of things like the enormity of Columbine, like like I think we have a different perspective on the creepiness of these mass shootings. Right. And a movie like Terminator predates that. I mean, there were workplace shootings, but they didn't get the kind of publicity, they didn't get the kind of analysis, they didn't they didn't sort of traumatize us as collectively the way that they do now and so it's interesting to go back and see how we used to watch those kind of things and to see that applied in a movie like uh born legacy that acknowledges how traumatic it is to see that stuff in a way that terminator didn't really realize it's like seeing mass destruction post 9-11 you know a city being trashed post 9-11 looks a lot different to us and as long as movies sort of realize that showing this you're basically showing it to a different audience than you were before 2001. I honestly um, don't have a shred of that. I never think of that. It's always fiction. Well, well Kelly, to me. I never... but didn't, so, but, but I mean, you can sort of, both Born Legacy and Terminator are serious movies. I know what you're um, saying. It's a time capsule, but... Right, but, but the, in the Terminator one, like it, it's kind of it's shot without any cons- without any awareness for you know this cop is just shot. That's a terrible thing. You know, it's a stuntman being pulled back by a wire. When you when you see the guys being shot while they're running for the door in Born Legacy, yeah. like it's a, it's a completely different approach to when somebody is being shot. I, I well, think. Well, in Terminator though, it was it helped the movie though because it made his character seem scarier. But don't you think it helped the movie here by just showing you how ruthless? Well. The, the government was in terms of and how scary it would be and how traumatizing it would be to the heroine. Like Rachel Weiss's reaction to this is completely different than That's Linda true. Hamilton's reaction. But, you know, it, to be fair, though, you know, these are Rachel Weiss's colleagues. You, you know, this is from the perspective of someone who the shooter was somebody that she knew. So maybe it is a little unfair for me to bring it up. But I just see them both being the same kinds of events, but but handled very differently for a different I question when period. someone's supposed to be drugged or insane like that, but they can do, like, complicated shit, like fix doors so security guys can't do it who aren't drugged and insane. Like, that man's... And then they they could have taken him down a bunch of times, those scientists, when mm-hmm. he's shooting them. It seemed like they... Oh, you know what, though? No, but, come on. I know, that's... But you, yeah. it's like you guys say you watch these with different context, perspective, post, all that. It's like, that to me is always like awake in my technical instinct. Like, like if that happens now, I'm totally ready. I'm going to wait for the moment to pounce on those fuckers. <laughs> James Holmes comes <laughs> in. And, all right, take your shot, motherfucker. You're going to get one at me. I'm taking okay, out. so Kelly Wanda, you're, you're pulling a Mark Wahlberg about 9-11 right now. <laughs> you're in two, three, not only you and me, got one Dude, man, you made a you just made a beautiful point, Tom. That little bit you just did, I really like that. The Britney Spears? Yeah, yeah. that was a good. No, <laughs> no, that thing you just said about the different. I mean, that's a good. There's an essay in there. I like that a lot. Thank you. And that, that's why I like that. Kelly, you your know point so- sucks. Fuck you, Kelly. I love you because it's point counterpoint. You're like William F. Buckley. So we kind of have. I like this. We had one person against, one person for, and one person torn. Wait, sort wait, of halfway between for Born Legacy. You're against Born Legacy. Things is pro Born Legacy. I I'm the Charlie Sheen to your uh, uh, Willem Dafoe and Tom Berenger's. <laughs> yeah. See. You're the John Cryer and Dingus is the kid and I'm the Charlie. <laughs> anyway, Juan, fascinating. But uh, 
you were closer to me, and now you're fucking defecting, and he defected too. You're both torn. Oh, I okay, so Kelly... No, never mind. Uh, let's do a three-by-three, <laughs> but before we do a three-by-three, uh, Dingus and I saw Terminator this weekend at one of those screenings at the Hollywood Cemetery. Dingus freaking ruined the movie for me, and Dingus, I would like you to now ruin the movie for everyone listening by, by destroying one of the best sequences in the Terminator. Go ahead, do it. Is it the part where the picture so, burns? Because that was really poignant to me. Come on, so the famous scene from Terminator is the I'll be back, right? And then Dingus, explain it. So this is a great scene. I, I remembered it. It was great to see it again on a sort of a big screen. Why does this scene suck? All right, so Kelly Wand, remember the police station? Yeah. And remember that goofy doctor leaving, and as he leaves the police station, he checks his pager, and he misses the fact that the Terminator is walking at the same moment. And he goes up to the desk, and he asks the desk sergeant, you know, if he can talk to Sarah Connor, and the guy says, oh. Dingus, do the voice, do the voice, Dingus. Uh, no, you can't talk to, uh, to Sarah Connor right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so he sends, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger on his way. He says, look, you can go wait somewhere else. And then there's this, there, there are these great close shots of the desk sergeant filling out reports. It's pencil on the little reports. And then there's a quick cut to another pencil on a report. And all of a sudden, the de- well, of course, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says some line about, I'm going to come back in a minute or something. <laughs> How shall we turn present? Uh, yeah, I'll be, back to- I'll be out directly. <laughs> um, and the desk sergeant looks up, and how do you know he has this look of surprise on his face? And what's the mental image you have of that, Kelly Wan? Do you have any mental image? His eyes are popping out of his head? Well, it's not total recall. He's doing a spit take. He's he's looking up and you can't you can't ask Kelly one serious questions. That's a good point. And uh, you know the the desk the desk sergeant is behind glass as Ah. he's filling out his reports and he looks up and there's a reflection on the glass. What is that reflection of, Tom? So it's it actually it's not so much a reflection. It's the light from the car's headlights. Like he's illuminated. Like you see the guy look up and the headlights light him up and he's reacting. To some oncoming light. Right, exactly. It's this Thanks great for pointing thing. out, Dingus, how great James Cameron is. Well, stand by, Kelly Wan, because uh, watch what Dingus is going to do. Then there's a cut to the car, and what's happening with the car, Tom? The car's headlights are turned off. <laughs> so as the car... before it's the, the Terminator's car, eye, because it glows. <laughs> and then uh, the color's yeah. off because the glass diffracts it. Ah, Bruce like Garrick it. would explain it to you if he thought you'd understand it. What it is, Kelly Wan, it's a cheat. It's where Cameron had this great idea. You know, I'm sure it read on the page, and the police clerk looks up and is illuminated by the headlights of the oncoming car. And then when Cameron does the reverse shot of the car driving through the front of the building, for whatever reason, they don't turn the car's headlights on. And maybe it's because during the previous chase scenes, you know, Kyle Reese did the cool thing where he didn't have the headlights on to make it easier to get away. And as Dingus pointed out, why would a Terminator need to turn on the headlights to drive? You know, they can, they've got their little computer vision or whatever you call it. So when they do the reverse shot, they don't have the car's headlights on. It, I don't know if it's like a second unit sloppiness right. or it's just, but it's a screwy continuity thing that destroys what I remembered of how awesome that image is of the police clerk looking up and being illuminated by the headlights. Dingus ruined the Terminator for me. It, it, it's a metaphor for his fear. And two, this is really boring, <laughs> probably, because it's just a light. But that, all shit's like that. Nothing. No, it's not. No, Terminator and Aliens are very... Car- oh, there's I'm a lot of careful the filmmakers. There's tons of loose ends and stuff. 
Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We don't see that. And we well, don't, you need, don't to need to see, see what that. the light is, do you? Yeah, yes, you do because it's Time just travels. that's as sloppy, that's as sloppy as as illuminating a nighttime scene with like a, a strong key light. Like, like hey, there are ways. Not that cool, you, man. Too soon. I was so excited to see that scene because that guy's that guy steps back and his eyes grow wide as the light illuminates him. It's a great, great moment. It's, it's kind of iconic. I mean, I, I'll use that word. Yeah, it That's is. Surprising. And Terminator really, really holds up. It's it's got so many great little moments. Oh man! And then just to see that was a little disappointing. So, all right, Kelly, one, can you destroy any great movie from the '80s for us this week? I destroyed Total Recall last week. Dingus has now destroyed Terminator. Uh, Kelly, one, can you maybe criticize Point Break? Uh, Han Solo gained eighty pounds in carbonite. <laughs> Speaking of carbonite, this week's three by three is. Lines that were not finished. I predict a tie on at least one of these, because one's real. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we'll be sharing some stuff. Uh, so these are incomplete lines, lines that are either interrupted or they trail off, or for whatever reason they don't finish. Uh, I want to hear the lines, and then we'll talk about what makes them work for you. So, uh, Kelly Wan, you're introducing next week's 3 by 3 so why don't you start us off with your number three pick. All right, I'm going to do the line, and then you... Jump. Ah, sweet, oh, yes. When I add, ratings for this. We get good ratings, even though there are no ratings for the Internet. Uh, <clears throat> they're taking me with them, with the Phoenix, going to circle the universe forever. Do I have to keep going? I'm with them now. Be back this way again someday, Tom. Wait, when, when does... I don't hear it being... Yeah, little, I, don't, I don't know. Before it's too late, there's one last thing I want to tell you. And then that's the end of the movie. Not really. That character. Come on, Tom. Don't play this. Why did you be this guy? Wait, I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't see what you're doing. Really? They're taking me with them. I'm getting in the Phoenix. I'm just going to circle had the this universe. Movie on your three by threes before, so I know you like it. There's a ship called the Phoenix. No. How many science fiction movies? There's like three science fiction movies ever. Wait. And I, Terminator's There's not a science fiction movie because the headlight makes it fantasy because it could. <laughs> Wait, what's the Phoenix? Do the line again. What's this They're about taking, the Phoenix? Taking me with them with the Phoenix. You don't remember a character named Doolittle even? Besides Doolittle. Oh, Tom, you're really making me sad tonight. Doolittle and the Phoenix. It's got to be Dark Star. That. I haven't even seen Dark Star. See? Thank you, Dingus, the smart one. What's the Phoenix and Dark Star? Phoenix asteroid where that guy has to like. He's obsessed with them. Oh, oh. Um, so is it the guy like surfing off into no, the into the? That guy room? finishes oh. his line. First off, this topic's terrible, and I want to. I want to. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> my list is fucking lame. Although this is my lamest one in my defense, so that'll give you something to look forward to. All right, so who is this? Dan O'Bannon? Who's getting cut off? I think Dan O'Bannon's in the ship when it's gone. It's uh, the one guy. Anyway, anyone's last line where they go, there's one last thing I want to tell you, and then you don't hear them. Like, that's totally... Well, right, well, that's, that's, that's what this 3x3 three three is for, is lines I like that. I want that, that to be the last thing I say, so I'm trying to time my death so I can say, oh, wait, before I go, and then say that. Well, so I'm still not clear, though. In Dark Star, someone says something, <laughs> it gets cut off. I'm, I'm still not clear on when that is Phoenix or what it is. asteroids, these glowing pixel routines that circle the universe for no reason, and by chance, when the ship blows up, they show up right then, and for no reason, take him. Which, by the way, makes more sense than 98% of the shit in fucking Burn Legacy. Burn Legacy. So who is... Burn. 
Who is he, by the way? One of the stars of the movie. I don't think it's Dan O'Bannon. All right, so someone, and what is the actual line he says? There's one last thing I want to tell you. Type it out. Ah, good. Wait, wait, wait. Do little before it's too late. There's one last thing I want to tell you. See? I like that. See why that's the third greatest incomplete. I thought that was the one you were going (laughs) to... I haven't seen Dark Star in a while. I do remember of the many things that I didn't care about Dark that I didn't like in Dark Star. Uh, the ending was certainly not what? one of them. I love the way no, I love the way Dark Star ends. Like I love the the way it closes out. I love the the gag with disarming the bomb and the guy finally getting to surf. Like I like all of that a lot. Wait, what yeah. are you not liking about it? Dark Star? Oh, just how Why do you say that? It is. Why do you say Dark Star? Eighties. Oh, it's cheap. It's first time it's seventy four. <laughs> so that shows oh, right. a little you know about. You liked the Saddam Precinct 3? No, you didn't. You were ripping on. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I say I don't like it. I mean, the thing is, I don't think they age well. But it, uh, Dark Star is fascinating to watch as, hey, this is what Carpenter first did. But I don't, Dark Star doesn't hold up. I love watching Dan O'Bannon and thinking, wow, there's Dan O'Bannon. And he's, he's uh, pretending that he's dangling from a precipice at CalArts, but they're really just shooting it with the camera inside. And it's Alien. It's like the precursor right. to Alien, but there's a beach ball. Yeah, with, with a beach ball, exactly. I don't know why you're, that, that doesn't hold up to you. But no, I like your I like your your pick. I, I think that's a very good one, Kelly Wand. You're just not you don't get baked anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that might have something to do with it. Uh, all right, so Dingus, what is your number three pick for an incomplete line? And do you agree that the top that the topic sucks? No, I don't agree. I'm uh, unfortunately I I didn't really fulfill what I wanted to. I really wanted to come up with ones where the character didn't continue the line as that character's choice, as opposed to being interrupted. Uh, I, I only succeeded in one of the picks, but I really like this idea. And I had so many things that were on the cusp that this is a situation I know happened. I can't, I can't resolve it. Um, an epiphany that happens and somebody runs off in the middle of the line. I, I just couldn't do it. But I, I like this because I, I like the mental exercise. This was a tough one. I will grant you both of that. Uh, I had a hard time with it as well. All right, so Dingus, give us a line for your number three pick. All right, my number three line that uh, is not completed. Here it is. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, what's, how do you know that's not complete? <laughs> Gosh, that could be anything. Can you give us more context, Dingus? Like what's said before that? Or is it in response to something? Uh, it's in response to walking in a room <laughs> where you're going to become a made man. Ah, ah, very ah, good, Dingus. See, Kelly Wan, this topic doesn't that's suck. That's a good one. Dingus is a genius. Fuck, he's the best at this. I hate it. It's not cool. <laughs> not cool. Go ahead, Dingus. Tell us about this scene. I love All right, it. this is Goodfellas, and it's um, God. What is that guy's name? Oh, that's right. Tommy DeVito is uh is about to become a made man, and uh, his two friends, uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Ray Liotta, are so excited, and they can't wait because they can't become made men because they're part Irish. He's going to become a part of the mafia, and they're going to be set for life. And he he thinks that this is he's, he's in his best suit, and uh, and a couple of the guys from the mob are leading him into this room, and he walks into the room, and there's nobody there, and it's and he just realizes he's going to be shot in the head, and and before he can his last thing, and this is a character who talks nonstop, yeah. who is yeah. com, who is effusive and vulgar and never wanting for something to say and his last words on this earth are oh n- I love that very good thing that's his number three <laughs> so I get Kelly oh. <laughs> I don't want right, to Kelly Wong, let me give anymore. 
No, we we got two more. And we're gonna hear from you. Here, here's my here's one. Uh, so I think of video games. <laughs> yeah, you'll here's always have that on me. Ah. <laughs> we're gonna pull together and we're gonna find a way to get out of here. Ah. First, we're gonna seal off That's this pool. One. <laughs> That's yeah. your number one. That wow. Keep going, Tom. Keep going. <laughs> There's just no, no more. No, start <laughs> earlier with ice. Please. There's a lot because it's a monologue, but we never find out what the second thing is that they're going to do. Uh, so this is, of course, Samuel L. Jackson's aborted inspirations old speech in uh, Deep Blue Sea, <laughs> which does not get completed because genius, I, I love to. You know, Kelly Wan, I think that might be the highlight of Rennie Harlan's yeah. career simply because it, it plays so well with the way, you know, we are so used to seeing shots now where somebody is going to get hit by a car from off frame you know you can't trick us with that anymore uh you know in the first final destination yeah it's dated i'm always on the watch for that like i'm always prepared for it that trick never gets me anymore but rennie harlan was so savvy with how he sets up that scene how he makes it clear that samuel jackson is near the pool how he doesn't telegraph that the speech is going to get interrupted and how samuel l jackson you know this is this is exactly in the movie where someone is going to give one of those we're going to pull together speeches uh, I love it. And it's Sam he Jackson, starts. exactly. He, yeah, this is the guy from right. Pulp Fiction. He's not going to die until the very end, if he even then. And not only that, but they show the sharks. And this is what bothers me about movies like The Reef, where you know they, they show the they're they're like these really gross, weird kills. They show the sharks like chewing people up. You know, one shark swims off with Samuel L. Jackson's body, and another one bites his head off. And awesome. Uh, yeah, so Rennie Harlan, Genius. like, really, because I, I think Rennie Harlan, though, like that opening bit of cliffhangers is really good. Like, he's got his moments. I didn't um, like him. I thought, but, I thought I was a huge Rennie Harlan detractor. I thought he ruined Die Hard. Like, and mm-hmm. then after Deep Blue Sea, I was all right. This guy's a god. And did you notice too that all the sharks are killed in the same order that they're killed in the Jaws movies, like the same ways? Like the first one. Wait a minute. The first one gets exploded by gas, and then the second one's electrocuted, and then the third one's whatever the one it's like blown up, like in Jaws three, and then the fourth one's like hit by a boat. Is that true? That's not true, Kelly. And you know how Brody goes, "Smile, you son of a," and then that's like, "Hey, that's my number one." No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I, had to, I had to finally do a three by three without Jaws on but it. But you did Deep Blue Sea, which is. But it's like he. Right. Okay, so Brody lives and gets the incomplete line, and Sam Jackson does the incomplete line, but he gets killed. So it's like the right. end. Fuck you, Wand. Stop talking. I don't, I but don't that's your number that one. Completed so see? line, the the Jaws one though. Smile, you son of I a bitch. He he say over the word bit, the bitch. Part. Yeah, yeah. It's like that uh, live for your die hard moment. He's. That yippee ki yeah, bang PG-13. Right. 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 apologists. Well, I didn't pick it, so. All right, so Dingus, what is your number two choice for an incomplete line in a movie? Are we already back to me? Yep. No, wait, that's wrong. It should be my number two, I think. Oh, so I'm sorry. Kelly Wan, what is your number two choice, before Dingus goes, for an incomplete line in a movie? Porkins. Going, no, I'm all right. And then he blows up. No, I, well, you should have given us the line and made us guess it. They go, hey, you're about to blow up. Okay, wait, percent, okay, cut all that. Let's start all over. <laughs> the whole podcast. <laughs> not happy with any of it. Okay, Red Leader goes, hey, shoot the torpedo at the Death Star. 
hey, your thing's on fire, you're about to explode, and you're really fat, and it's making the nose go down. And then he's all, no, I'm all right. No, he goes, no! <laughs> you said there was only one more. Oh, That's right, yeah. You've gone over this your... part of the quota. the last one. <laughs> also, you talked to... Oh, uh, never mind. Go ahead. All right, Dingus, what is your number two pick for a, an incomplete line in a movie? Give us the line, rather than just giving away what it is. Make us guess it. All right, there was this guy once. You see the scar? Jaws. I'll give you the, I'll give you the line, the, the, the thing that leads up to that. He was probably on PCP, broke every bone in his hand. Oh, Dingus, but, Dingus. But feel it anyway. There was this guy once. You see the scar? No, Dingus. <sighs> What? What's wrong? Right. That's the end. Of the and and he gets a disapproving look from Paul Winfield that cuts him off. Uh, and he gets handed the vest. So th- this is Lance Henriksen, and Lance Henriksen is playing Detective Hal Vic- Vicovich? Vicovich, something I don't know, Detective Hal something or other. Um, and uh, it's when Sarah Connor is in the police station in the Terminator. I noticed because I just saw it last night. And there were two. There were. Two, there were. Uh, I had two that were possibles from this movie, and this is the one that won because the other one doesn't really count. Uh, although I loved What's it. The other, one? the other one is the dude at the phone booth. Oh, <laughs> hey man, you got a serious attitude problem. That guy. Yeah, but he, but he starts by saying, "I don't care. You can come pick me up." What? <laughs> and what isn't really an incompleted line? I mean, he says what. He's no, but he, right, the first sentence is cut off. He's but like, I love this this moment in the police station where Paul Winfield, uh, th- there's the goofy psychiatrist, and then Paul Winfield gets handed the uh, the body armor by Lance Henriksen, and he tells her this is what this is why he survived all those gunshots. And she asks, "What about him punching through the windshield?" And then Lance Henriksen answers about PCP, and then he's clearly like, "This is my moment." All right, so. See the scar on my hand, and Paul Winfield just hands him the, the armor, and Lance Henriksen just goes, "Thank you," and walks away. So clearly, he he can't continue his story at all, and that's. So I I kind of dingus I I mean I really like Terminator, but I wonder that stuff smacks like they're trying to do too much. I, I don't know, maybe it was. Oh, I yeah, I I know where you're going. With like it's like goofy cops. It's like, hey, these are the wacky cops. But as an Carol, example, to die. I love the way Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen have that have established and I can see them just hanging around while they're setting up a bunch of shots going, okay, what should we do now? Let's do a thing where I give you the coffee, it's two weeks old and you have a cigarette in it. Okay, we'll do that. Um, you know what, but, I, but what I love about the coffee, it's two weeks old, it's got a cigarette butt in it, Paul Winfield doesn't even react. Right. He doesn't acknowledge his gag. Like, I like that this idea that they've worked together for so long, they're kind of tired of each other, they don't, uh, like, I, I do like their, I like how their chemistry. Tastes. But, uh, no. Oh. But but they don't react to each other in that moment either. Paul Winfield just hands him the, the best, and and Lance Henriksen knows. Oh, I'm done <laughs> telling my story now. Uh, so anyway, I, I like that, that he's about to tell a story about the scar in his hand and some dude who had who was on PCP, and it's just gone. <laughs> Remember when Colin Farrell right, told good. a story about the scar in his hand in the movie you really liked last week? Uh, did he? Oh, that's right. Very good, Kelly Wand. His stigmata. Very good. But um, also, all those cops got off easy because they didn't get nuked there. Actually, I guess that would have been fair. No, but Kelly Wand, as we know from Terminator Three, and they as they established in Terminator One, the future is not set. I thought the first two movies weren't canon. 
Oh, good point. Right. Retconning. Remember when you, could, remember right, when you my, forgot what that word was? Shut up. <laughs> I was thinking, like, retro revision. Well, revision, I was getting confused between revisionist history and retconning. I got hung up halfway between both words and got very you confused. Get confused like, you guys came to my aid. Thank right, you. Like okay, after. we're going to retrovirus you out on that. If it's not math, you can't understand it. <laughs> uh, here's my number two. In what movie will you hear this line? Harvey, it's okay. It's all right. Listen, some... <laughs> Harvey, the movie about the rabbit who, I guess, kills him? Saw two. Really? You guys don't... Uh, this is what inspired... Nope. Harvey, it's okay. It's all right. Listen, somewhat... I'm very disappointed in both of you, because this is one that I... No, this is one that I thought we would all uh, uh, duplicate on. So those are Maggie Gyllenhaal's last words in Dark Knight. Oh, oh, man, you just brought the room down. Yeah, well, it's a terrible. I mean, it's a it's a very it's a fantastic scene, oh, and, it's and breaking my heart right now. Yeah, you don't know what she's going to say. You only know that she realizes that they didn't come for her, uh, and there's just she's, she's like right so sad it. and resigned. Yeah, when she hears that, uh, you know that that uh, Aaron that Harvey Dent Aaron Eckhart is being dragged away. Um, I mean, it's just that, like that scene. I think is kind of the like emotional core. And I, I use that word a lot, but that's like the emotional core of Dark Knight. You know, when they when they kill Rachel because she's sort of the she's the, the centerpiece of this love triangle that I think is very effective in the My movie. My theory uh, was that she said that she was happy because she now she didn't have to decide for the love triangle. So she already had though, and she even gets to tell Aaron Eckhart before she dies that yes, I will marry you. Like she had decided, she'd sent the she'd given the note to Alfred to give to to Bruce Wayne to Batman, and she had been able she got the chance to say to to Aaron Eckhart to Harvey Dent, yes, my answer is yes, I will marry you. And then as the door opens and and she hears him screaming, no, not me, not me, uh, and he's being dragged out of the room, she just gets this sad look on her face and and she says, Harvey, it's okay, it's all right. Listen, somewhere, and you don't know if she's going to say somewhere or if she's going to say someone. You, like, uh, it's it's just fantastic. That's a heartbreakingly uh, good choice because one of the things that I thought about early on this week was uh, trying to write the rest of these lines that I'm talking about, um, which ah. I didn't do. Uh, but I can totally imagine. But as an actor, that you you do that just in case another actor isn't going to cut you off in time. And I can imagine Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal knowing what what yeah. she was going to say for three or four minutes, or however long it was going to go on, 30 seconds, 10 yep. seconds. I can imagine that actress understanding where she would go. And, man, that's a really good choice. Uh and the way it's cut too, like Christopher Nolan does this effect where he, uh, you know, he brightly lights her face and he has the wind blow her hair. Like he, he just like shoots air at her hair or whatever, but like her hair blows around her face and, and her face lights up and then they cut to the explosion. And, and, but you hear, you know, it cuts off what, whatever she's going to say at that moment. Um, if, if he, and I just Bat- saw it last week. If Batman had saved Aaron Eckhart, would she have turned into Two Face? Wait, but Batman did save Aaron Eckhart. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, wait. <laughs> Aaron Eckhart. Wait, wait, is she a great big fat person? <laughs> wait, that was an unfinished sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> it was an unanswered question. That's another three by three. Actually, Jodie Foster does answer the question, if I'm not mistaken. Doesn't she? Doesn't she? Yes. 
concede that, well, yes, she is rather large. I think she does respond to, uh, Tom, who's that? Tom Noonan? No. Who plays? Oh, Ted Levine. I think she does answer Ted Levine's question there. Uh, all right, so there's my number two, Dark Knight. That's what inspired it. But I have one that I like better, so I'll save that for my number one. I'm positive you guys didn't pick my number one. So, uh, Kelly Wan, we know your number one is, we're gonna, Kelly Wan, let's just hear the line. I want to hear you do your Sam Jackson. We're not gonna fight anymore. We're gonna pull together and find a way out of the pits. First, we're gonna seal off this poor. Now, Kelly Wan, what would the second step had, have been if Sam Jackson had lived? Second step? Yeah, first they're gonna seal off this pool. What are they gonna do second? Uh, second, um. Drop a grenade uh, in it. <laughs> Second, move away I'm, from it so right. that it can't reach you. Third, I am just glad. <laughs> right, go on. Climb the ladder and escape from the other sharks. Kelly, on at what stage in Sam Jackson's plan would Saffron Burroughs have to take off her wetsuit? Oh, remember? Yeah. All right, so Dingus, what is your number one pick for an incomplete sentence or incomplete line in a movie? <laughs> I like the idea of, of him having said, first we're going to sell this, but wait, no. First, you're going to take off your wetsuit. Doesn't she <laughs> get killed because the rung of the ladder comes off in her hand, or is that cabin fever? <laughs> I think she sacrifices herself. No, I don't think that. I don't think so. Saffron Burroughs pretty much throws herself as a sacrifice. So Thomas Jane can I think get away, he says, I think he goes, you distract them for a minute. Don't worry, I'll, I'll save you. And then... <laughs> How does that work out? Yeah. yeah. He... Well, that's another thing, too, that's kind of subversive, is you, they kill Saffron yeah. Burroughs for Pete's sake. That's terrible. But she's kind of like the Paul Reiser one, isn't she, where she's like, we got to do science before, and that's more important than the dollar value of the facehugger. I don't I don't recall Paul Reiser ever, ever looking so good yeah. in a wetsuit. Is that the only movie yeah. where she's like that? And she gets a wetsuit right before you die. That's always confusing to me. It's like all these horror movies where you see boobs, and then they get a knife through them. And then it's like coming and ruining the first effect that they gave you. That is what's wonderful about the end of the movie Alien. No, yeah, but that's more. It's like better even, not worse. So instead of getting into a suit, she gets out of a suit and then out and then back in. Never mind. Wait, why does she strip down an alien? Oh, because she has to get in a spacesuit. Now, see, you guys are, it, these things are important. They're for a reason. Uh, Sigourney Weaver has to get in a spacesuit. Saffron Burroughs has to stand on the rubber so the water doesn't electrocute her. Um, Sigourney Weaver is already in her underwear, though, before she goes in there. But she's got to change into a spacesuit. You guys think it's just cheesecake. It's not. It's very oh, important plot device. Yeah. It's just, it's a byproduct of, you know, when you change into a spacesuit, it, don't, uh, don't, don't the astronauts strip down in 2001, Kelly Wan, to get in their spacesuits? Wasn't that titillating? Yeah, and they had to hold their breath at the same time. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number one incomplete line from a movie? Give us the line, and we're going to try to guess the movie. All right, here's the line. I'm sorry, honey, it's just we're having a... Hmm. You, neither of you going to get it, so I feel terrible... Time. Picking this because somebody complained about the fact that um, every every week we pick the say our our same favorite films. Oh, Rushmore. It's not Rushmore. Um, no. uh, but yeah. I I couldn't help it. I love this scene so much, and I love the fact that that he just th- this isn't unlike my 
my other two ones, this isn't somebody else cutting off the line. It's just that he doesn't know where to go or what to say or how to say it. So this is from the movie Midnight Run. Uh, oh, God. Uh, exactly. Why didn't we say it, Tom? Because our minds blocked out. Like we're, We can't even think of the words Midnight Run. Well, I was sure that he'd said everything there is to be said about Midnight while. Run. How could how could you possibly bring up Midnight Run again? I know, right? Uh, right so, at what point is this thing? So Charles Grodin stammering to his ex-wife? Uh, no, it's it's actually Robert De Niro. Jack Walsh has gone to see his. Uh, I his hate ex-wife. that he calls them by their names. Like we're supposed to. I know, know. like he knows you know, the character. How can you not know it's Jack Walsh and Jonathan Mardukas? How can you not know that? Wait, what's Jonathan's last name? <laughs> Marduka. Jonathan Marduk, Jonathan Marduk, like the big dog in the cartoon. Marduk. He's called the Duke. He's the Duke. Anyway, <laughs> I used to like that movie till Dingus ruined it. I know. Dingus, what is uh, what is Judd Nelson's character's name in Saint Elmo's What's Fire? What's the other is in Wisdom? <laughs> What's Charlie Sheen's in Garbage Men? What's Platoon's in Platoon? Keep going. They're all named All of them. <laughs> All right, so Dingus, what is this? What is this uh, famous incomplete line right, from Midnight Dan Run? O'Bannon. Oh, Dan O'Bannon. I saw Dan. I like Dan O'Bannon in that. He's so good in that. Dan O'Bannon. Why, why is he? Why is he bad mouthing Dan O'Bannon? Because you're like Dan O'Bannon. I would like seeing him in that. He's Dan O'Bannon. Dingus, he's the writer of Alien. Hello. Writer, but he appeared in something, and I like seeing Dan O'Bannon. Why is he? Dan O'Bannon died recently. Yeah, Dingus, that's disrespectful. Yeah, that's yeah, way out of right. line. Dingus, you know better than James Holmes. I didn't say Ernest Bergstein. Uh, now you're talking. Yeah, sparks. don't see yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't just uh, now. He's dissing Cabby from Escape from New York. Oh, Dingus, you're you're losing credibility yeah. with with nerds everywhere. Died last year, I think. Go ahead, take him too. Take him. Go ahead, and make a Matlock reference, Dingus. Losing credibility with nerds everywhere. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get that as thirty years ago. So, Andy, Andy, right, so uh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just I'm sorry, honey. It's just we're having a. Now, when is this? Jack Walsh is saying this to whom about what? All right. So no. Uh, yeah, he calls Charlie. He calls him honey. All right. That's this the is barely part, part of this. Part of this movie. It's, this is, movie is just so great. Uh, he hasn't seen his wife, his ex-wife, and his daughter for nine years, and uh, and Jonathan Mardukas convinces him since they're in Chicago and they're making the road across the country that they have to stop at her house to ask for help. And he goes in, and the ex-wife is there, and they immediately fall into their familiar rhythm of having a fight. And the fight is interrupted by the fact that his daughter, who he hasn't seen in nine years, walks into the room, and he notices. And he's short to me right now. And um, and he goes over, and he holds her for a second, and then the wife goes and says, "Okay, all right, I'll help you out." And she goes to get something, and so he has this awkward moment with this this, this girl his daughter he hasn't seen in nine years and and to fill that moment he says this line where he's like i'm sorry honey it's just we're having a and what is he going to say what is he going to say we're having a fight like you always remembered as a child or it's just one of these moments where he he can't express what he's talking about and so it just goes nowhere the line stops because there's nowhere for him to go uh, i'm sorry honey we're having richard gear it's it's exactly Richard here. Um, that that moment in this movie that's this great action comedy and is so emotionally impactful for me. Uh, it's just one of those moments that knocks me out every time. See Kelly yeah. one. Yes, it's a good movie. It's not. It's a horrible uh, you, movie. It's no Dark Star. I would say that. I like how Dingus goes from uh, Goodfellas to Midnight Run. That's great. That's how it goes. 
That's trolling <laughs> the universe. All right. Well, actually, so I can't. I have no room to actually ding Dingus's pick because my number one. Neither of you guys is going to get it. It's just I have a sort of a strong personal reaction to this movie. But here's the line. You ready? Ben. Willard. <laughs> it's actually a good See guess. What I did? So that is the actual. That's the last line of Ice Storm. Uh, I love the way that Ice Storm ends. Ice Storm is a Ang Lee's movie with Kevin Kline, Joan Allen, Scorny Weaver, Elijah Wood, blah blah blah. Uh, and it's a movie about the dysfunctionality of several families in the 70s. It's about the fallout of shifting cultural ideas about what family means. Uh, has a lot a lot to do with the benign neglect of children. Um, it, uh, a lot of the movie is things not being said, things not being done, uh, and after the events of the movie where a child dies, there's a great scene where Kevin Klein and Joan Allen and Christina Ricci, they're a father, a mother, and a daughter, respectively, they go to the train station to pick up uh, Toby Maguire, their their son. Uh, and it's a uh, there's there's no dialogue in the scene. Tony Maguire gets off of the train, he gets in the back of the car, uh, Kevin Klein and Joan Allen get in the car, and Kevin Klein, who basically plays this emotionally unengaged doofus throughout the movie, uh, just turns around and surveys his children, almost like he wants to say something, but he doesn't, and then he turns back around and just weeps into the steering wheel, and Joan Allen reaches her hand out, and doesn't quite touch his shoulder and just says his name, says Ben, and then the movie ends. Uh, and I just love how it ends on this weird emotional minor note, uh, as in minor key. Like, uh, you know, it's a powerful emotional moment, but, you know, she doesn't know what to say, he doesn't know what to say to his children, uh, and they're all overwhelmed by what's happened. Uh, and I love the ending of Ice Storm, uh, and I love how unresolved it is. So there's my number one pick, is Joan Allen just saying... Ben. How do you know that's not the whole sentence, though? Maybe she's just saying Ben. Good point. I'm instead going to pick Terminator. (laughs) Terminator is not a sentence, so... I'm going to pick uh, Porkins' line from Star Wars, even though I did take it off the table last week. I know, that was my protest of the uh, topic's (laughs) difficulty, but yeah. You know what I am wishing, though? It was just now occurring to me when Dingus was talking about uh, Jack Walsh, and Midnight Run. Uh, I, isn't there a great moment in Margaret where Anna Paquin and J. Cameron Smith are having that fight, that great yeah. scene in the middle of the movie, and, and J. Cameron Smith is just like, you be me and I'll be yep. you. <laughs> and she like cuts her off and she's doing, like she interrupts Anna Paquin. When Anna Paquin like, I love that. I think it's uh, there's, a, there's a couple moments in Margaret that I wanted to be able to relook, uh, to look at again because she she's constantly, Margaret herself is constantly, not Margaret herself, good lord, what's the name of <laughs> What's the name of the actor? What's the name of the character? Uh, Anna Pack was the actor. Uh, Lisa Cohen. Lisa, thank you. Lisa uh, says things, and she's she switches them, and she stops lines. Yes, she stops herself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just didn't have time. I, but I, but yeah, that's a really good. Uh, that's a good runner-up, actually. Uh, uh, other runners-up. Oh, go ahead. A better a better Star Wars line would be from Empire Strikes Back when Leia says, uh, "No, you're." What? No, you're. When is that? And he says, I'm not a scoundrel, I'm a nice man. And she says, no, you... Why doesn't she finish her sentence? I think three... I think 3PO interrupts her sentence. (laughs) 3PO. Leave it to him. What's he? That guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> Scoundrel wise. Kelly Wine, any runners up for you? I read somewhere that at the end of King Kong, the first one, the original line was, It's beauty killed the beast. Huh. <laughs> so. Sounds like a complete line that to might me. Be apocryphal. Okay. Neat wand. Oh, I wanted to use Sorcerer. It's five minutes before nine in Paris when the guy's truck goes over the thing, but I think that's a full sentence or a full line. So. Oh, very good, Kelly Wand. But yeah. I wanted to give you a Sorcerer salvo. But I don't think it, yeah, I don't, it, I don't, I don't think it's that scene would be better in the middle of a line, but yeah, I don't think it I remember it as an incomplete line, and then when I rewatched it, yeah, I rewatched some stuff. I'm going to keep up with you fuckers from now on. Well, you rewatch Sorcerer to get ready to go see Killer Joe, the new William Friedkin movie with Matthew McConaughey, right? How do you say his name? Killer Joe. <laughs> Is that our movie? So I, I wanted to see Killer Joe until I realized it was the same. It was from a script from a stage play, I think, by the same guy who wrote Bug, which That's was also a stage play made into a movie by William Friedkin with... Uh, Dingus's favorite, Ashley, uh, oh, no, wait. Yeah, she's in it. Yeah, yeah, Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. They play this, like, insane couple holed up in a hotel room, uh, and he's convinced there's, like, bugs in his system or something like that. He's, he just plays a psycho. Uh, and I hated that movie. So apparently William Friedkin, that was William Friedkin, is, is again doing another adaptation of this guy's stage play. I don't remember Based the on their earlier success. Yeah, so Killer Joe, I did want to see. It's by the way, Kelly Wan, this might seal the deal for you. Killer Joe is uh, rated NC-17. Really? Why? For language? Uh, they, like, they they probably say the F word like five or six times. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have no idea why it's rated NC-17. Uh, oh yeah, you guys just call that. We what, just what stick with PG. That? They thought PG-13 was fucking stupid. Like, well, <laughs> way to go, Canada, because you guys change shit. All right, so uh, there we go. Is that uh, any other runners up? Tom? Margaret? No. Yeah. That's like the whole movie, huh? Uh, let's now have a topic for next week. What should we do for next week's 3 by 3 Kelly Wand? I have three awesome ones, but I want to use one that you. I think you were going to snake it, so I'm burning it tonight. Three movies about the wrong character. We've done that one. Didn't we? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good. Okay, so three movies about the Sounds wrong like character. Sounds like something Spe- we would have done. So, speaking of which, uh, we... Uh, I, I don't care for Knocked Up a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. I, don't care, right? I, I was going to say... And there, the sort of sequel to Knocked Up is about two characters I did like in Knocked Up. And they're actually selling a movie called This Is 40 as... The tagline is, quote the sort of sequel to Knocked Up because it's about Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann's character. Uh, and Seth Rogen and Catherine Heigl, who knows what has happened Are to them. Are they dead? Not the maybe. Maybe they, maybe they moved away. Who knows? Uh, but Judd Apatow is like, you know what? I'm going to make a movie about these two characters, which is fine by me because I liked them way better than Seth Rogen and Catherine So it's Heigl. like Rachel getting married and then that spawned the movie with Jonah Hill and Russell Brand. Get into the Greeks. Wow. I know. That's amazing. What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and then Margot at the wedding was Armageddon. <laughs> Written by Tony Gilroy. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, are you taking anything off the table or everything is fair game? What about Star Wars? So Star Wars would have about runs off the table, Armageddon <laughs> off the table, Rushmore off the table, Vinyan off the table. 
Binion has not been on this on a three by three in at least a Armageddon year. Armageddon off the table again. Off no, you table. can never. It's not about the wrong character. Know. Okay, you know what? Go ahead. Convince just want you to know that every title you say, you have to see this week. <laughs> Armageddon, by the way, Kelly Wand, is about exactly the characters it's supposed to be about. Nobody. It's not a real Armageddon. Armageddon's the end of the world. Not We shoot a rock into two pieces. That's not fucking Armageddon. That's not. Mm, you do have a point. It should be called Armageddon Averted. It should be nowhere near Armageddon. It should be called te- we Texas. Movie. And by the way, so Kelly Wan, you don't think that trashing Paris, some indeterminate Asian city, and New York, you don't think that that qualifies for Armageddon, at least for the people who live in those places? Oh, so Armageddon equals three cities? Hmm, interesting. Okay, not just three cities, a space shuttle and a space station. Not cities, not Armageddon. They're not mentioned in the Book of Revelations. <laughs> Okay. All right, fair point. No such book. Terrible movie because uh, let's see a movie next week called Paranorman. What do you think of that? Right. Yay! It is a car- yeah, yeah, it's a cartoon. It's by the folks in Oregon called Leica, which I just discovered is also a, a kind of a, a Russian dog, uh, and they're the animation studio that did Coraline. However, uh, Henry Selick, who is the main creative guy behind Coraline, it was from a Neil Gaiman novel. Uh, comic book. What? Actually, not a comic book. It's text. Uh, Neil Gaiman's yeah, a Scientologist. Yeah, kind of ruined it for me. Well, you know, I don't care. I, I'm okay with that. I don't care because I thought Coraline was mainly Henry Selleck. Because <laughs> I, I, I read the Henry, the Henry Game, the Neil Gaiman Coraline, the book, and I was like, yeah, it's cute. But Henry Selleck, just so much of him, I think, is in Coraline. But at any rate, we don't know much about Paranorman. We just know it's the studio, the animation studio, that did. Coraline. So see Paranorman and join us uh, to talk about it next week, and also join us for our three by three of movies about the wrong character, such as Armageddon. Star Wars. Armageddon. No, <laughs> Armageddon got it just right. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. I don't think so. And the asteroid's a character the size of Texas. A little on the nose. What I didn't understand are you doing? Choice. Crazy. What's this refer to? Uh, what, now, why do you say, what am I doing, when it should be, what is Tony Gilroy doing? Like, why are you using the same freaking song from the... Get a new song. You know, Moby, a new artist. That song was what marketing. I thought. Why are they... I guess so. I do like this song, though. I do, too. I love that moment. Oh, it seemed really inappropriate okay. to what was going on in the movie. Like, all right, we're on a boat. <laughs> they should have played Marty. We're on a boat. They should have played that that rainy Monday thing. I don't understand why they're in a good mood. I guess because rainy the rainy Monday. How, like like they should know. be in the same mood they were in five minutes earlier. Screen time. Fuck, we got to get out of here. But I guess this music wouldn't have gone with. Fuck, we got to get out of here. Yeah, one, we get it. Kelly, one, do we have a can anecdote this this week? Uh. It used to really confuse me that I was the only one who hated the rain and all the locals didn't seem to hate it and weren't going insane. And now I see now that they were waiting for now because now it's awesome. They're waiting patiently. They're Asian zone. Mm, That's not a Canada. That's not. It's too weak for you. It's more like a broader observation. The chick I saw born with, she cried. I like this. Sounds like an anecdote. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. At the end, she cried during this music. And I go, 
I think this isn't supposed to be worth your tears. And she goes, I just... And that chick's... Go ahead. I just cry during all movies. And then I go, they're there. You're not crying. You're just leaking. You're awesome. And she started crying. <laughs> Are the lyrics critiquing your oh, no. 